from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Folklife Today. I'm Stephen Winnick, a folklife specialist in research and programs at the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress, and I'm the instigator of the Folklife Today blog and podcast. And I'm being joined today by my colleague, Michelle Stefano, who's also a folklife specialist at the center. Hi, Steve. We are about halfway through our homegrown concert series, so we thought we'd take a look back and a look ahead at this year's 2023 homegrown concert series, which we're producing right now as we record this podcast. Production is occurring in the background. That's right. And speaking of production, we're being joined right now by Thea Austin. Hi, Thea. Hello. Thea Austin is, of course, the public events coordinator for the center and thus the producer of the homegrown concert series. So what's new and exciting in homegrown this year, Thea? Well, I'd say a couple of things, but there's one biggie that underlies the whole series. As you know, the pandemic shutdown occurred before real production was underway on our 2020 concert series. So we did our 2020 and 2021 series entirely online. We had individuals or groups make concert videos and send them to us, then we uploaded them. Last year, we were able to add just a couple of live in-person concerts to the series, like Ranky Tanky and Ollie Lowe. Um, we were able to record Ollie Lowe and put that up online, so you can see that one up there. But this year, we're going to be doing a more equally hybrid series, with about half the concerts live at the library, recorded and later put up online, and half the concerts as video premieres right away. Great. And yeah, I think that one of the things that we learned from the Homegrown at Home series was that by premiering concert videos, instead of producing every concert live here at the library, we were able to present some groups and some traditions that would have been hard to present here in Washington. Exactly. And we wanted to continue presenting really international music while also returning to the great live concerts we've been known for for all these years. So this year features some of each. Okay. So where did we start? Well, we kicked off 2023 during Black History Month with Jake Blunt. Jake is a groundbreaking young singer, fiddler, banjo player, and guitarist. He's a D.C. native, though he lives in New England now. And really, it was Steve's idea to have Jake Blunt. So, Steve, maybe you can tell us about him. Sure. So, as Thea mentioned, Jake is a native of Washington, D.C., And I became aware of Jake not just because of his general reputation, but because on his latest recording, which is called The New Faith, about half the tracks are new interpretations of material from the American Folklife Center archive. So the idea of working with Jake was in the American Folklife Center part of my brain, but then I also happened to be the programming chair of the Folklore Society of Greater Washington. And one of the great people in our organization is a woman named Cecily Pilzer, who happens to be a school librarian by training, and she was Jake's elementary school librarian. So she's known him since he was a little kid. And when I became program chair, she said to me, You just have to have Jake. He's so brilliant. Um, But frankly, FSGW would have had trouble affording Jake's fee and also renting out a venue to make that concert happen. So I realized then the beauty of co-sponsorship, right? So we had the concert here at the Library of Congress in the Homegrown series, but with FSGW as a co-sponsor. So why don't we hear something from the concert? Great idea. This is Jake's reimagining of a sea shanty from the repertoire of Lead Belly called Holloway Joe. 
This one makes a very good sing-along. I've uh, been working with some good friends of mine who are in a band called the Vox Hunters up in Providence. Yeah! Two of the best folk musicians of my generation, for sure. And um, we've been working on sea shanties. Bet you didn't know black people sang sea shanties, but we did. So I'm gonna play you one that I learned functionally in my sailboat era, and then discovered that Lead Belly used to play it. It's called Holloway Joe. It has a very simple refrain that I invite you to sing along with. I'm not gonna quiz you, cause you can handle it.
you all for coming. Once again, that was Holloway Joe by Jake Blunt. And in our interview, I talked with uh, Jake a bit about his discovery of the Library of Congress. So let's hear a little clip. Let's talk a little bit about how you discovered the Library of Congress collections that yes. you've uh, mined for this uh, album. I, man, it's really <laughs> funny. So the first time I started really digging into old source recordings. I mean, of course, you have like, you know, online resources like Slippery Hill for fiddle tunes and stuff that kind of just give you a lot of files. But I went to my college music library and they had a ton of compilation CDs. Mm -hmm. And I started learning things off the compilation CDs and then I would go look them up and discover they were from the Library of Congress. One after the other, I was like, <laughs> everything that I like is in the Library of Congress. <laughs> So um, at one point, my friend Riley Calcagno was interning here, and I came and visited and listened to the Gribble, mm -hmm. Lusk, and York recordings. And yeah. It was great. Um, I love that stuff. And even now, you know, I have kind of a big stable of recordings on my computer, and I go there first, and I just... A lot of it comes from here. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, your album references Vera Hall and Bessie Jones and Tangle Eye and mm -hmm. a bunch of other, uh, uh, Blind Willie uh, McTell, yeah. a bunch of recordings from our archive. And we really appreciate when people do that. We love people to be inspired by our recordings and to use them in a new way. And I think the, the New Faith does a great job of doing that. Well, thank um, you. We are really looking forward to your concert tonight. Fantastic. It's really nice when people draw on our archive and share the cultural richness that we help to preserve here at the American Folklife Center. So the Jake Blunt concert and interview are online at the Folklife Today blog, as well as the Library of Congress website and YouTube channel. By all means, subscribe to the Folklife Today blog at blogs.loc.gov slash folklife, and you'll get notified of concerts when they premiere or when the videos of our in-person concerts go online. So, I think we had another example of a group learning songs from our archive to perform, didn't we? Yes. Another of the live concerts we've had this season was the Scandinavian group Spellamenonir. They're based in the tiny island nation of the Faroe Islands, but their group also includes Danish folks and Americans, and they play music from all the Scandinavian countries. The band likes to say that its sound reflects each member's heritage and also illustrates the links between the music traditions of the Scandinavian countries and the United States. And this time, they really put their money where their mouth is because with a little help from Steve here, they took the archive challenge and learned some tunes out of the American Folklife Center's archive. That's right. One of the two Americans in Spalemenonir is Charlie Pilzer, uh, who happens to be the husband of the aforementioned Cecily Pilzer and also a good friend of the American Folklife Center. And when Charlie was over in the Pharaohs preparing for the band's tour, I texted him with some links to collections in the American Folklife Center archive where he could find Scandinavian tunes. And he consulted with his bandmates and they discovered some tunes that they could play. So let's hear the rest of this story from Charlie and then hear the tunes. Now we come to Not the Library of Congress. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I know that Jennifer Cutting and Steve Winnick have been running these archive channels <coughs> where they get people to listen to the archive. So, last month we were all sitting around Sharon's table in the kitchen in the Pharaohs, 
and I pulled up the archives and we started digging through the archives to find out what tunes we could find in there. And they're old scratchy recordings and different things and we found some Danish music. And one of the things Christian and Erling said, wait, we used to dance these when we were little. <laughs> Tell them about it. <laughs> no, wait, wait. Isn't that true? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Our grandchildren still dance to it. They still do. They still dance to it. Yeah. It's not like it's not like it belonged to them. It's no, it's not dead. It's People not are still dead. dancing to it. So it's take, even been translated into Faroese. So taking up your challenge, we are going to play a song that we picked out of the archive. Again, that was Spellemenenir, with some children's dance tunes from a Danish collection in the American Folklife Center archive. And we do love when people go deep into the archive to find material. So Thea, this has been a challenging season so far for our in-person concerts, but that's recently gotten better. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's been a tough year. In December 2022, our beloved Coolidge Auditorium suffered a flood during the holidays. And it was out of commission for about six months. So our live concerts were held in other rooms until the most recent one. Then on that concert, our first one back in the repaired Coolidge Auditorium, we had a performer all lined up, wonderful guy, and he became ill and couldn't make it. So with extremely short notice, we invited and contacted uh, another artist, wonderful guy. We had a three-day turnaround, and we were just so lucky. Um, to get him. So our first show back in Coolidge on June 15th was Chris Stiles Bacon, a Grammy-nominated progressive hip-hop artist and multi-instrumentalist from Washington, D.C. As a performer, Chris Stiles is a master of the human beatbox. He plays guitar and percussion, and he continues the oral tradition of storytelling through his lyrics. Early in his career, he was mentored by Kathy Fink and Marcy Markser, and began collaborating with artists in the folk and children's music genres. And his album with Kathy and Marcy, Banjo to Beatbox, was nominated for a Grammy Award. 
This has made him think more about hip-hop as a folk music genre. Right, and we got a chance to talk about that in our interview, so let's hear what Chris Stiles has to say about folk and hip-hop. Come on. So explain your feeling about the connection between hip-hop and folk music, which I think a lot of people might be puzzled by, but it really, seems really natural to you and to me. So Yeah, right? Like, <clears throat> well, you're already hip to the trip, you know? Hip-hop <laughs> is folk music, yeah. right? Is it, is, it, is it not? Like, we just have different ways of doing it. Like, you know, when we think about folk music, we think about it, like, locked within a certain period of time. Right. When that just, that's, that's not the way, right? Um, certain technologies, they, they come into existence, you know what I'm saying? Um, back in the day, it's the gore. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. You use that gore and that animal yeah. skin. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And maybe, and maybe even like now or, or in the future, it's just like, uh, what's the technology and what's the stuff you have? Um, cell phone chips. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Computer chips and cell phones and like an old technology. And like, you know, I think it was Grandmaster Flash that used in New York City that cre- that um, created his specialized crossfader to, yeah. to link together two of these turntables to really like be able to sync and do this turntableism stuff. Right. Electrical engineering, yeah. taking these things, <laughs> hooking it up, putting it together, like, okay, yeah, that's the move right there, that's the move. Or like people sampling, right? You had like a two second or a three second sampler. It was um, the large professor, um, a, a, a MC, and a producer who was like, yo, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take the RPM on the turntable, we're gonna speed that bad boy up, <laughs> sample it, and then pitch it down. So it started as two seconds, but now we have like, like close to a minute or like, or whatever, or a half a minute now from two seconds, just because he sampled it at a faster rate and slowed it down. Right. Like the ingenuity, like how we create <laughs> stuff. It's kind of like taking like, cigar boxes and creating and creating guitars you know what i'm saying that's that's how we do it and then if you're like okay we want to take away like electronics we got the human beatbox mm-hmm. that happens when you don't have the drums and stuff and we have like the oral history and the storytelling there we have other things like scat it's the same stuff it's all a continuum of, of folk arts and expression you know what I'm saying? It just, it just looked different. Yeah. It just we, sounds different. Yeah, you know well, we, we really appreciate that, and we appreciate you and the way that you can connect those dots for people. Great. So now let's hear one of his songs. One thing I thought that was really impressive was a freestyling song where he got about 10 random words from the audience, and he made them into a rap, proving how adaptive and conversational rhyming can be. It really demonstrates how hip-hop is an ever-changing and thriving folk art or cultural tradition. Let's hear Chris Styles Bacon freestyling. All right, so we have Librarian, Yellow, Texas, Chihuahua, Juneteenth, Trampoline, Happy, and Super... Help me out. Super Califresh... One more time. Super Calif... I'm kind of nervous, y'all. This is going to be forever archived on the Library of Congress.
now here's your part. Call and respond. Here we go. Say freestyle, freestyle, freestyle. I say freestyle, a freestyle, freestyle. Just decide. Come on, freestyle, a freestyle, freestyle. Just decide. Come on, freestyle, freestyle, freestyle. Here we go, another style I be carrying. In the archives, like books with librarians. Over there with the freestyle, keeping mellow. Chilling on the stage while the woods looking yellow. Up off my foes, come together, this the nexus. Broke a geometric. Peace the youngest, chilling up in Texas. Came all the way down here to see all my man and his homemade gear. Over here, and he's holding it down. On the balafone, me, I got the freestyle. Just like that, and I do the joint popper. If I mess up, I scare you off like a chihuahua. Because he gave me the word right here that I use it crazy. Freestyle coming on something, get your length over here, and your cardio, you're late like Juneteenth. Freestyle, freestyle, freestyle. I say freestyle, freestyle, freestyle. Oh, wow, Soup, come on. Mess up, uh, my mind playing catch up. Don't mess up, I promise. Archive the Library of Congress. Hey, gotta hold it down. Making this all up, this is a freestyle. More than meets the eye, like Optimus Prime. Like Wasuf on the balafone, he gotta improvise. Bring it on back, freestyle coming through happily. Over here, hand nappy and feeling happy. Over there, got the afro. It's kinda black, in fact, it's a halo. Still giving the light when I do this thing up on the mic. Gotta make sure that the whole joint sounding nice. Thanks to your audience, y'all be the dopest, you're super califragilisticexpialidocious. Yeah. Again, that was Chris Stiles Bacon freestyling during his homegrown concert on June 15th. And we should say that Chris Stiles was accompanied by Wasuf Gay on percussion, including the bala or balaphone, one of the West African ancestors of the xylophone. So there was African music, there was jazz, there was hip hop, there were some Brazilian influences in there. It was a great mix of African and African American root styles for Juneteenth. So look for that on our blog at blogs.loc.gov folklife once the videos are edited and processed. Now, we've already talked about musicians delving into our archive, but we also encourage folks to go out and do their own fieldwork, recording songs and stories and history from oral tradition. We have resources online to help with that, like our field manual, Folklife and Fieldwork, and even some grants and fellowships to help you get started, all online at loc.gov folklife. And I understand that one of the performers who sent us a pre-recorded concert video did that kind of field research to put together his concert. Yeah, you're thinking of uh, Ali Dwan Gunultash, who is part of the Kurdish community in Turkey. Uh, Thea, tell us a little more about Ali. Ali is a Kurdish musician born in Turkey. He's well known for being part of the popular band Zetiye. But at the same time, he's maintained his roots in traditional music. 
Ali's oral history and field research, which he began in 2007, led to the 2022 album Kia and to his concert video. It's a personal look at the 150-year musical history of the village of Kia, Ali's birthplace. And it's also very much affected by his neighborhood in Istanbul, where a lot of people from Kia have ended up. He sings in five languages and plays several instruments. The concert features his quartet with tembor, a stringed instrument, a bit like a tamboritza, clarinet, percussion, and other wind instruments like zurna. He plays traditional Kurdish dances, laments, work songs, and Alevi prayers. And it's just a beautiful concert. So what did you bring to play for us? This is a lighthearted story song about a peddler who travels from village to village selling clothes, and in each village he tries to use the pretty clothes to attract the daughter of the village leader so he can make an advantageous marriage. It's called Enterjima. Jim, 
Again, that was Ali Doan Gunultash with Entelgima. Wow, another great song from one of our concert video premieres. Steve has also interviewed Ali, and both videos are available on the blog, which you can find at blogs.loc.gov slash folklife. So we're going to thank the producer of our homegrown concert series, Thea Austin, who is going off to work on our next concert while we finish up recording this podcast. Thanks, Thea. Big thanks to Thea. Well, thanks for having me. So, Steve, what's left this season? Well, we had a live concert of Kathy Fink and Marcy Markser with Chow Tian in their great program, From China to Appalachia, and we expect to get that video online soon. And we had another pre-recorded video premiere from the Hudaki Village Band from Ukraine on August 2nd, and we'll say more about them in a minute. Then on August 23rd, I'm really excited for Deitch from Germany, a band I've been following for years. They've recorded a special concert for us at an open-air museum in Germany. And again, those all premiere on the Folklife Today blog at blogs.loc.gov folklife, and they'll also be available on the same day on our Library of Congress YouTube channel. Then in September, we have two live concerts. The first is Nani Noam Vazana on September 14th, one of the only songwriters working in the Judeo-Spanish or Ladino language, and a great singer and also a trombone player, which you sometimes don't expect in this kind of music. So it's, it, she's a wonderful show, and Thea and I saw her at Folk Alliance, and she's fantastic. And that's a noontime concert here at the Library of Congress. So now we come to The Secret. The real reason we booted Thea off early is that we wanted to introduce a new member of our little cast of characters here on the Folklife Today podcast. So let's all welcome Doug Peach, one of our newest Folklife specialists on the production team. Doug, since you're new to the podcast, before we get to more homegrown concerts, tell us a little bit about yourself. Happy to, Michelle. Thank you so much. Um, let me begin by saying it is such an honor to be among the cast of characters here at the American Folklife Center. As uh, over my career, I've been a big fan of all of the folklorists and ethnomusicologists and archivists working here. Um, I also want to say it's humbling to be a part of the legacy of the American Folklife Center and the important musical archives that predate it. So all of that to say, I'm incredibly happy to be here. Um, so as for me, I'm an ethnomusicologist and public folklorist. And I say it that way because while my training has been in music and ethnomusicology, my professional experience has been in public folklore. And public folklore, as we all know here, is taking the tools of folklore studies and putting them to practice for the public good. So I directed two public folklore programs, the first for the state of South Carolina at McKissick Museum at the University of South Carolina, as well as at the South Carolina Arts Commission, and then the second at Sandy Spring Museum in Sandy Spring, Maryland, which serves as the regional folklife center for Montgomery County, Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C. In terms of my academic work, I spent years working with Gullah Geechee communities in South Carolina, doing collaborative research with Gullah people on issues of heritage tourism representation, and also musical performance. I'm finishing up my dissertation on these topics at the uh, Department of Folklore and Ethnomusicology at Indiana University um, with Melanie Burnham, who is a, a renowned gospel music scholar. And while at Indiana, I co-authored a book and two CD set called Olabel Reed and Southern Mountain Music on the Mason-Dixon Line, which was released on Dusta Digital. And this, this work tells this wonderful story about Olabel Reed, who is a winner of the National Heritage Fellowship, her migration in the, in the 20th century to the tri-state 
tri-state area of Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Delaware, and then the communities who are continuing on that musical legacy in the tri-state area. Um, I had the great pleasure of working with folklorist Henry Glassy and uh, one of our colleagues, Cliff Murphy, now at the Smithsonian on that project. So here at the American Folklife Center, one of the projects that I'm most excited about is the COVID-19 American History Project. This is an initiative that was championed by uh, Representative Julia Letlow of Louisiana to collect, preserve, and to make available oral histories of Americans' experiences with COVID-19. So for us with this project, we're thinking, you know, for folks 50, 100, 150 years from now, how are they going to know what COVID is like? And so that's the impetus for that project and collecting those oral histories. Um, uh, While I'm here, I'll also be working on a range of other public programs to amplify the collections and the public-facing work of the American Folklife Center. All right. Well, we are so happy to have you, Doug, and it's great to have you here on the podcast as well. And I'll mention that we did some programming around that Olabella Reed set, of course, and that's, uh, you can find that online on the Library of Congress website as well. Um, so um, let's also mention that uh, many of us here on the staff knew Doug not only from the academic folklore world, but also as a very competent concert producer. And in fact, one of my bands uh, performed in his series at the Sandy Spring Museum. So we're delighted to have Doug here on our production team as well. Thank you, Steve. It was a great performance, and I I vividly remember the green costume that you wore for the performance. (laughs) That was fun. So happy to have you here, Doug, on the podcast and also in the center, of course. So we thought you'd be the perfect person to tell us about the September 21st concert. Coming up. No problem. On September 21st at 7 p.m., as a part of Live at the Library, we are going to feature the Alejandro Brites Quartet, based in southern Brazil, who play music in the traditional cross-border musical genre of chamamé. Chamamé's epicenter is in northeast Argentina, but it's got a mix of influences from the Iberian Peninsula, indigenous Guarani communities, and also Eastern European uh, populations coming to that region. The music has been inscribed on the representative list of the Intangible Cultural Heritage of Humanity by UNESCO. I actually lived in Argentina for about a year and played chamamé with friends, so I'm really looking forward to the interview with Alejandro Brites, which we hope will go online um, with his video concert. Thanks, Doug. And it is possible we'll be adding even more great concerts to our lineup. So we do recommend that you subscribe to our blog at blogs.loc.gov slash folklife. And if you go to loc.gov slash folklife, you can also subscribe to our email alerts and our Facebook page so you won't miss any of our great concerts. So now it's time for thank yous. So thanks to all the musicians we featured in this podcast and to our guests, Thea Austin and Doug Peach. Only Doug is still here to receive our thanks in real time. So thank you, Doug. Thank you, Doug. You're very welcome. And I'll make sure the word gets back to Thea. Excellent. (laughs) And thanks also to John Gold, our engineer, and to all the folks here in the Library of Congress who help us make and deploy this podcast. And we do have one more musical selection, and Doug is going to tell us about it. Doug is going to be one of our staff specialists on various areas of the world, such as Argentina, since he lived there, uh, as well as Ukraine, since he's so passionate about Ukrainian culture. So, no pressure, Doug, but tell us about the next piece. Sure thing, Michelle. This is the Hudaki Village Band, which is made up of nine master musicians from the Ukrainian Carpathians, a mountainous area of southwest Ukraine on the border with Romania and Hungary. Their village musicians are called Hudaki, hence the name of the group. 
The music has Slavic, Romanian, Jewish, and Romani influences because the peoples have lived side by side for centuries. In 20 years of performing at hundreds of festivals and concert halls across Europe, the Hudaki Village Band has learned to make their unique blend of influences accessible to a lot of different people, so I really think you're going to enjoy it. This, is, this song is a wedding march called Solonina. Thanks, Doug, and thanks to everyone for listening to the Folklife Today podcast. We will let the Hudaki Village Band play us out.
This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.